0: Uh, some of you have maybe gone to a specific, maybe it was a conference, maybe it was a trade show, or uh, or just the, a guest speaker that that came, or or you visited, you sat in on a class, and uh, and 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 as you sat in, uh, you know, and I don't know if you've had one of those experiences, or maybe it was even on a Sunday, um, and. And, and the information you're getting, you're just you're just like blown away by it. It's impacting you. It's moving you. It's it's challenging you. And it's like like drinking from a fire hose essentially. Uh, you're just overwhelmed with it. And and if you're like me, you're taking notes. I love taking notes. But unfortunately, I'm left-handed, so it has a slant. And I should have been a doctor by how it looks, but I'm not. And so uh, it's tough to read even for myself. And and I and every time I leave, whether it's a conference or or I get invited to a cohort or something and I've I've taken a bunch of information in. I'll I'll sit in my car or even sometimes it'll be like on a plane and you're just like processing and you're thinking and you're considering and 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 you're wrestling with so what what are, what am I doing with this? Like man I, I feel like this is really challenged a lot in my life. And so what does it look like to take this now and to apply it uh, as a as a husband, as a father, uh, as a leader, like as a Jesus follower, what does that look like? And uh, I'll never forget, there was one specific instance uh, early on, early, like first year of my marriage. And I came back from uh, a conference and, and I was very excited. And if you know me uh, at all, uh, stop is not a very... Um, normal word that I use. Uh, I like to go. And anyway, <laughs> I came home and and, I, and my wife was asking me how the conference was. And I said, it was fantastic. I am. I think I'm going to quit being a pastor and I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to be a psychologist. And I've already figured out the school. And I'll just remember her face like, I didn't agree to this, uh, you know, but, but I remember I, coming away from that, I was like so moved by what I had experienced, right? And I think you guys, often, oftentimes when God speaks or he moves and, and he's connecting truth to you, I think so, so many times we walk away or we're just overwhelmed with it. And so what do we do? Uh, it, it never really moves from our head to our heart into our lives, And I think the thing that I just pray as we've gone through this book, and even today as we finish, is that it would move to your heart, but then you would take what God has taught and shown you, not only in his word, but in your own life, right? Because scripture is a mirror, uh, into your heart, into your life, but I pray that you're able to take that and that you're able to then go, okay, God, this is what it looks like uh, where I work. This is what it looks like at my school. This is what it looks like in my home, and that you're praying in that way, that you're expecting uh, for God to deliver on uh, that. And, and and so as we finish here, we're, we're brought into to John who's doing the same thing. John, the writer here. And John has continued throughout the book of Revelation to, to bring us up to speed, to try and describe to us these visions that he's having, right? And and he's given us just incredible visions for us to to try and explore and to study. Uh, We've had the opportunity throughout the book of Revelation to hear what Jesus has to say to the church that he loves, his bride. We've been invited into the throne room of God, the throne room of heaven, and we've been able to catch a glimpse of the glory of God, the glorified Savior, the Lamb. We've seen the, the judgments, we've seen partial judgments, we've seen judgment incompletion dealt uh, justly and righteously uh, by God. We've, we've seen the temporary suffering uh, that's going to happen as Jesus followers, and yet this eternal security. We've also seen the eternal insecurity that happens for those of us that refuse the grace of God. And we've seen that final day of judgment, standing before Christ. But then last week in Revelation 21, and I don't know about you, but after Revelation 21, I'm like, that should just be the end. We were brought into the new heaven and the new earth. And it leads us to this just feeling of anticipation and longing for that. And you guys, I think the thing that we need to be reminded of this morning is as we reflect on heaven and as John is coming off of that vision, uh, heaven is so much more than a destination. Heaven is meant to be a motivation right here and right now. See, knowing that, that we're gonna be going to, to dwell in the heavenly city, it's got to make a difference uh, in your and my life like today. Uh, and this is what inspired uh, the, the, the people all throughout scripture. You see them keeping that at the forefront of their minds. Even in the Old Testament, when we look at the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, Hebrews 11 talks about what their motivation was. In, in Hebrews eleven ten, it says about Abraham, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. That, that, that was that motivation piece. That's what he was thinking about as he was living and wandering around. Uh, they were reminded that they were exiles on this earth. Uh, later on in 13 through 16, as it's talking about all of those patriarchs, it says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. And so you guys, the reality of heaven, the reality of what was to come, it motivated and it moved them in their day-to-day life. And just as it did for them, it needs to do that for us. We cannot allow the assurance of heaven to bring about complacency in our lives, right? Like, like uh, for so many people, it's like, well, I know what happens next, so whatever. I know where I'm going. I said that prayer, boom, right? Right? I'm good, and and, and yet uh, I I go, man, I I look at that completely different, and scripture looks at it completely different. That reality is to spur you on and to move you forward by faith, to be passionate, and and so in verse 6 of Revelation chapter 22, it says, and he said to me, This is John. These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Who said that? Yeah, Yeah. Sunday school answer, right? Jesus. Right? It's in red, okay? If it's in red, Jesus spoke it, right? It says, and behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am one of the, I, I'm the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. Okay, so the angel who who had begun to talk to John uh, in chapter 21, verse nine, he tells him, these words that you've heard, that you've written down, these, these, these visions that I've revealed to you, they are trustworthy and true, and they're reliable, they're dependable. Why? Because they're from the Lord God of the spirits and of the prophets who inspired them to write what they wrote. This is from the Lord God Almighty. And he himself has sent his angel to come and to show what, may, what must quickly take place. You guys, here's what's so awesome about this. In this final chapter of, of, of the final book of the Bible, the very end, uh, we see four situations here where Jesus is talking. And and, and three of those... Uh, moments, he's, he's saying this. What, what is he saying three times? Three times, he says, I am coming soon. Three times, Jesus here in, in, the, in, in, in verse 6 through 21, three times, he says, I am coming soon. Three times, Jesus interrupts us. We're arguing over what position we stand. What, are you pre, are you mid, are you post? Are you, uh, where? and Jesus just stops and he says, I'm coming soon. So, so then we keep reading, right? Oh that, oh, that was cool. Then Jesus stops us again. I'm coming soon. Oh, wow, that happened again. And then we just keep reading, right? And then we get to the end and Jesus, it's like he just pulls the car over. In this final chapter, as we're like, oh, I finished, I am coming soon. Three times. It's like he knew us. He knew we'd get distracted. He knew that we would get so caught up in the commitments and and our our everyday pursuits and and all those things that we already have going on that are already starting to enter our mind, even on Sunday, even right now. And, and, And we're busy. We've never been more busy before. And it's like he knew all of that. And so three times he parks the car. Now, growing up in my family, if dad parked the car, we're dead. I mean, we would just, I mean, we would immediately go silent and we would just go, you're dead. Like, you're dead. Like, I don't know what's going to happen next. Like, because he wants our attention, our undivided attention. He does not want us to miss this. And so here we are, we're at the end. We're like, oh, we made it through all the crazy stuff and all this. And Jesus three times says, I'm coming soon. Stop, do you, do you hear me? I'm coming soon. Hey, hey, you, I'm coming soon. And so then our, our question is, okay, man, you said this three times. What, what do I do? What do I do with that? Well, he tells us in verse seven right there, blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Our response is that we should keep the prophetic words of this book. We should diligently obey God's word. Those uh, are the ones uh, who are promised to be blessed. Like, did you hear that? Like, if I said, who wants to be blessed this morning? Nobody would be like, "Yeah, I don't want to be blessed. Like, everyone... We'll be like, I want to be blessed, right? And and he tells us, you're going to be blessed by those of you that hear and keep these words. Uh, And and so when you think about living in anticipation of the return of the king, you have to let the word of God richly dwell in your life. You you have to let scripture guide you. You have to let it uh, shape you. You have to allow it to do the powerful work that God promises it will do in your life. Through the through the work of the of the Holy Spirit, uh, God's word transforms you into the image of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Oh, 10.30, <laughs> Memorial Day weekend. You're like, I don't know. Um, that is absolutely incredible, you guys, because what we know from Scripture, and it says this about itself, and it's the reason we're so excited about Revelation, it's the reason even when I'm uh, around town here or on campus, and they're like, well, what are you talking about on Sundays? And I'll be like, Revelation. Even people that want nothing to do with God, they go, Really? Right? Because why? Because even those of us that are really skeptical in this room or online, there's just something different about Revelation. And and, and you know what's different? It's all throughout Scripture, but what's different is Scripture is alive. Right? It's, it's, it's alive. And so when you read this, it brings us to this crazy tension point, because we're confronted with the reality of of what's happening, of what's to come, and it reminds us that scripture is not some distant, archaic book for that point in time, but it connects with us today because it's alive, uh, it's active, and it will always reveal the thoughts and intents of your heart when you receive it. In other words, you can't run from it. If you're, if you're actually taking it in, because what God promises is scripture will always accomplish what he sent for it to accomplish. It cannot return void. And so scripture, you like, when you approach scripture, you just need to approach it this way. Scripture has a work to do in my life. It has a job to accomplish in my life. What is that? And so you guys, uh, the goal of our Revelation study of this series has been so much more than just about nailing down, how do I interpret it? The, the goal is, can we, based upon our study and our time, can we live this? Can, can we keep it? Can we obey it? Uh, can we move forward in light of what we learned with, with this endurance, with this patient endurance? Um, because we're gonna have to, be the ones, if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have to be the ones that are able to overcome the world's pull as it pulls us into two really clear directions. One is complacency. Oh, the, the world, like, like Satan is, is, is passionate about you being complacent, about you just kind of going, oh, that's great. But the other thing we see is the world is going to pull you into idolatry. In other words, it's going to do everything it can to get you to put something on the throne of your life to where God is no longer in that seat. And you guys, I wonder if as we think of a day and age where, man, Christianity, we just see the struggle, we see people walking away, we see uh, Christians going into this complacent space, this just, hey, whatever. Um, I I wonder if a lot of the issues that we're dealing with today stem from us avoiding the book of Revelation. I really do. Because, Because, I mean, some of you have even told me oh, I've avoided that book like the plague. Some of you have told me, other Christians told me never read that book. Some of you have told me a pastor said, don't look in that. I've had pastors say, I will never teach that book. Right? So so I almost wonder if some of our issues come from like, we're like, man, I ain't touching Revelation. It gets weird in there. And God is just mean, Like some of you, this study has revealed God's not mean. You're just like, wow, God is not mean. Like, and that was your takeaway. But I wonder if a lot of our issues come from avoiding this book. And then John affirms that he's the one. He's the one who's heard and seen these things. And, and you guys, once again, John, as he's seen this glimpse of heaven, you guys, as he's, as he's been on this mountaintop and, and the new heavens, the new earth, is coming down out of the sky, um, like and, and he's there watching this, you guys. Once again, he's so overwhelmed as he's talking to us and saying, I'm the one who's heard and seen these things he, he comes to this breaking point again where he just drops and he starts worshiping. The problem is he's so overwhelmed with this. He worships the angel. And you're like, didn't he do that already? Yeah, chapter 19. And once again, the angel is just like, what are you doing? Get up. <laughs> like, get up. I am a servant just like you. You worship God and God alone. And you just gotta imagine, I mean, John is just, he's, he's seen things that you and I have tried to put words to, to describe as well. And it's just amazing and remarkable. And you guys, as we've walked through Revelation, Revelation, when you go through it verse by verse, it immediately draws you into this posture of worship, doesn't it? Like, you're just like, man, I just want to worship. And so we see John get caught up in that as well. And then what we see is uh, over 700 years earlier, the prophet Daniel was told, he was given a, a similar vision. And unlike Daniel, who was, was told in, in Daniel chapter 12, verse four, he was told, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. John here is told the opposite right? He, he's told, you open this up. You, 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 let, it, you let it be known. Uh, and, and, and so what, what's the difference? What's changed? You guys, what's changed is the coming of Jesus is here. We're in those final days. Jesus has said, I am coming soon. And, 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 and then he, and so what, what are we to do with that? Just like John, we're, we're to take that and go, man, I need to preach this. I need to teach this message. Uh, we're not called to read the book of Revelation, to close it and go, that was a great study, uh, and move on with our lives. No, it should move us to then go, man, with knowing the urgency, knowing that we are in these, these end times, man, I need to, I need to share my faith. I need to be urgent. Like, like I, I've been too flippant. I've just been like moving through life uh, at my own pace. And God calls me to something different. And so we see this, this challenge here. And, and then in verse 11, uh, John echoes Daniel chapter 12, verses nine and 10. He, he said what? He says, let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. And we're like, what does that really mean? What he's speaking to here, once again, he's going back to Daniel chapter 12 is he's he's talking about how there are eternal ramifications for the decisions we're making now to either receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior or to reject him as our Lord and Savior, and that there is a time that is coming when you will not have the opportunity to change that position for better or worse, right? Because if you're a Jesus follower all of eternity... If you've rejected him, it's all of eternity. So that's what he's speaking to there. then he keeps going in verse 12. And once again, it's in red. This is Jesus talking. It says, behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star." The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. So Jesus says, once again, I am coming soon. I'm coming soon. But he also promises I'm bringing something. I'm bringing uh, recompense. I'm, I, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10, we, we, we read the same thing. It says, behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before uh, him. So what we see is he's coming, he's coming and he's going to bring what? He's going to bring rewards. He's gonna repay each individual according to what they've done. We see Jeremiah seventeen, ten. It says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. We see the same thing in 1 Corinthians 3 and 2 Corinthians 5, how he's going to test our motives. He's going to test what was done, right? And, and there in Jeremiah, he's going to test our minds But we take that and we usually go to this place of fear with it, right? But man, as a Jesus follower, what he's talking about here is I'm going to reward you for your faithfulness. I, I, I'm coming, I'm bringing my rewards with me. And, and what I love about this is, is, is how like uh, we get this picture of, of Jesus and we're like, my goodness, like uh, you're going to judge everything? And he's like, oh yeah. And he says, I'm qualified. I am the alpha and the omega. The beginning and the end. I see all. And so, and so we all have this, and I'll say this, is an opportunity to stand before our loving Savior and, and we get to see that He is going to, He's going to reward Jesus followers with, for how they've lived on this life. You guys, as the early church is reading these words, and, and we've heard similar words throughout the book of Revelation, guys, they needed to be reminded of this. As they were going through intense persecution, as they were watching family members lose their jobs, as they were watching family members suffer, even be killed for their faith, as John is exiled as he's writing this for his faith. And so they needed to be reminded that, that God is not distant. God is there. He's seen everything, and he's going to reward you. You may be sitting in a prison cell all by yourself. He sees your faithfulness. You're at work and you didn't compromise. And there was a moment you totally could have compromised. God sees that. He's gonna reward you for that. Everyone else was telling a lie and yet you chose not to because, man, you, uh, you're under you're under Christ and, and you wanna serve him, you wanna honor him. And, and you know that that doesn't honor him. Guys, there's so many moments in our lives where we, as Jesus followers, have tried to just live for him and no one else saw it, but God has seen it. God has seen it you don't need the affirmation. You don't need to be celebrated. You don't need to be trending on social media to be great for God. He sees everything. And he's going to reward you for your faithfulness, even more so in the areas that you weren't acknowledged for, but you remain true to him. And so, you guys, the, the, the early church is they're listening to these words. It's, it's encouraging, it's affirming them, it's, it's picking them back up just as it should encourage us today. You know, I'm, I'm just reminded how, when I read that, like, nobody is going to regret living for Jesus. And, and, and we think of the, the parable that Jesus told in Matthew 25. Jesus told this parable in Matthew 25 of this wealthy landowner and, um, and, and, and he was very wealthy, he was rich, and, and he had three servants that, uh, that were in charge of his, his property. And, and he was leaving, he was going to a faraway place. And so he puts each of them in charge and he calls them talents uh, of different talents. The, the one is given five, the other is given two, and the other is given one. And 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 as he's gone, they have the opportunity to to invest it. They have the opportunity to to multiply it, to to go to work, uh, you know, with what he's given them, knowing that he's going to return. And and we see this incredible parable where where then he returns, and the, and they all stand before him. And the one with five, he's doubled it. The one with two, he's doubled it. And the one with one, he buried it. But the words that are said from this master to these servants. In Matthew 25, 21, to the ones that did something with it, they're they're powerful. And, and, And their words, as Jesus is saying them, you just get caught up in this incredible picture. He says this, Matthew 25, 21, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful for a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Guys, those are the words. Those are the words that that we all want to hear. Well done, you good and faithful servant. Well done. Enter into that eternal joy where you are face to face with the Savior. It's incredible. And so that's that's something that we have to look forward to. That's something that, that we should be thinking about daily. And then in 14 and 15, he talks about blessed are those who wash their robes. And and what he's talking about here is those who are persevering uh, in faithfulness to Jesus, uh, those that are refusing to compromise to the world uh, who are facing persecution and tribulation. Uh, We see this mentioned in in Revelation chapter seven as well. But these are those who are faithful. And and he says, uh, you're, you're promised this access to the tree of life as well as access to the holy city, the new city, uh, Jerusalem, by the gates. Uh, And and so we see that this promise uh, for those of us that we have entrance, that we're able to enjoy that as we looked at that last week. And then we see described those who will be sent to the lake of fire, and they are described as those who are outside of the city. They are not allowed into the city. And he lists these six types of evildoers here He says, outside are the dogs, and dogs, that was a characteristic you did not want to be called a dog. It was a heathen uh, word, uh, a sorcerer. And, and these are all of those who dabbled in, 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 in different spiritual uh, deities. And, and also those who, uh, it's actually the Greek word, it's where we get pharmacies, it, drug use uh, we see in this. It's the sexually immoral, uh, those that just, hey, whatever uh, God's design, that's great. I want to do my own thing. I want to make it about me uh, and and my desires and that. And yeah, that's truth. Uh, According to scripture, I want to do my own. The murderers, right? I want to get ahead. I want to eliminate that person. The idolaters, uh, I'm content worshiping this. This has brought me the happiness I want. And it says, those, everyone who loves and practices falsehood. In other words, it's those who know what the gospel message is and they say, no, thank you, I don't want that. I want to do my own thing. And so the list here are not people that are struggling with these things, these are people that have actively rejected the grace of God. And because they've rejected the grace of God, they don't have a new name. They don't have a new nature, new identity. They are still defined by what they do. And so that's what he's addressing. And then Jesus states how he sent his angel to attest these things to John for the churches. And Jesus declares that he's the root and the offspring of David, which he said in Revelation chapter five, and we see it in Isaiah chapter 11. And what he's saying here is, I, I was before David and yet I'm also after David. I was before David as God and yet I'm after David as man. I am the God man. I am the root and I am the fruit of David. Uh, and I am the God man who brought the bright morning star. Uh, we see this imagery in, in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 17. It says, "'For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain.'" And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns at the, and the morning star rises in your hearts. He you will shine like this bright morning star over all of Creation. And then verse 17, I absolutely love verse 17. It says, the spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. You guys, this is so incredible. We have this fourfold invitation uh, here uh, that, that that we see uh, to all people and, and for all people to receive the gospel and to be saved. We see the Spirit of God literally say, Jesus, come on. The bride of Christ, the church, saying, come on, Jesus. And then we see it extended out, right? Uh, We see it extended uh, to to other people. We see, and, 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 and let the one who hears. So anybody that's able to hear, if you're hearing this today, says, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And then I love this. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. You catch that? Without price. The one who's thirsty, they're invited to come. If you desire the eternal living uh, water of life, you are invited to come and, and to be saved. And it doesn't cost you anything because Jesus already paid for it right? I, I, Isaiah 55, one says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and he who has no money, right? He who has no money, every college student say, amen, come buy and eat, come buy and eat. And we're like, I can't come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Man, like, uh, you, you guys, some of us have come out of different religions and, and, and that. And, and it was all about, like, how can I, how can I earn this through, through, through what I can do, what I can accomplish? How do I pay the debt? And what Christianity does, which just turns the world upside down, is you can't buy this. You can't. You can't earn it. Jesus paid for it, and that's why Jesus says in John 7:37, "If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And this is the invitation of Scripture. And then we close with verse 18. It says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book, which is terrifying. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. So here we are at the very end, and as the book draws to a close, God issues this warning, doesn't he? He issues this warning against adding to or taking away from its prophetic message and he, and he literally says hey you want to go that route uh, and he speaks in hyperbole here it's going to be worse for you than the plagues uh, of revelation right i'm going to add to it um which he's just saying it's going to be severe judgment and 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 so if you're going to add to it or or take away he says you want to take away from this book you want to take away from these words i'm going to take away your share from the tree of life in the holy city you guys all throughout scripture you see this warning do not add to this do not take away from it. Deuteronomy four two uh, tells us, don't you add to the law of the Lord. Don't you take away from it. Um, Proverbs chapter 30, verse five, every word of God proves true. And then in verse six, he warns you, don't mess with it. And, and, and so you guys, you just need to know this. If you love God, you say, I love God. I know God. I, I love God. If that is true, then you will treat his word with the utmost respect. Right? Like, like I'm, I'm blown away at how many people say, I love God. Oh, I've got a relationship with God. And, and, and yet when it comes to his word, that's negotiable. When it comes to his word, it's like, I like this part. Don't like that. revelation. Get out of here. Uh, All these other things. I'm going to pick and choose. And then if if I like how this sounds, then I just build that point, right? In my own words, and I'm adding to scripture, or I'm actually taking away from it. And and yet we're still saying, I love God. Guys, that is literally like, like me saying, oh, I love my wife. And then every time she talks, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Awful, right? And yet I, I go, man, why, why, why is that the case so often when it comes to God's word? See, if, if we love Jesus, then we agree with the psalmist who had a heart after God's own heart. In Psalm 119, 97, he said, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. I love it. It's my meditation all the day. I love it. It consumes me. I think about it, right? Because I love Jesus. In John 14, 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, right? If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And so what we have to ask um, is, would any true believer actually deliberately tamper with Scripture. Now, that doesn't mean that a believer is never going to make errors in judgment or mistakenly interpret Scripture incorrectly or inadequately. I mean, uh, guys, uh, I'm going to tell you something, and, and it's going to blow some, some of your minds away because some of you follow uh certain celebrity pastors and you're like everything they say is exactly right and and they're untouchable you guys nobody fully understands the bible or can explain everything in it nobody and 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 you guys as you grow immature, which you should if you're consuming God's word, as you grow immature, you are going to shift and change on certain uh, ways you used to see things, right? You're going to interpret it differently. Uh, not because earlier you were in rebellion against God, you just didn't know, okay? Um, I look back at things I said in 2006 and I go, ooh, glad those were just cassette tapes. Let's burn them, right? Um, because you shift, you change, you grow. And so you need to know that, like for those of you that are like, oh my goodness, I've said this, I've thought this before. God knows the intents of your heart. And, and you guys, he's, he's, he's talking about those, not that naively misinterpreted scripture or they just uh, were immature, but he's talking about those that will choose to deliberately change scripture. That's rebellion. Rebellion. And so that's what he's speaking to here. And then we get to the final words, right? The final words in in verses 20 and 21. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Man, the the importance of someone's final words. And he just pauses once again for that last time, Jesus in red, surely I am coming soon. And and we go, well, that was written like 2000 years ago, whatever, well, the problem is we we see 2 Peter chapter three and we go, well, he's delayed his return for the very purpose of people having the opportunity to receive him as his Lord and Savior. Like, that, that's why he's delayed is so that more people can understand and know who he is. And so hearing this promise from Christ himself, once again, John is on the receiving end. Jesus interjects here and says, surely I am coming soon. And John responds really quickly with a ton of enthusiasm. Amen. So be it. Yes, I agree. Come, Lord Jesus. See, John has, he's taken it all in. He's written it all down. It's filled his heart to the point where he just wants to to worship and he's just longing for the return of Jesus so that he can spend eternity face-to-face with Jesus in the new heavens and the new earth. And, And so there's nothing John wants more than for Jesus to come. And then John ends by extending the grace of God to all his listeners. And we say, Amen. You guys, Revelation, the book of Revelation. This this is God extending his final invitation. Uh, And and a true understanding of biblical prophecy here, it, it should motivate us and move us to obey God's word with patient endurance. And it should also move us to urgently share the gospel, the message of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for your and my sins and how he resurrected from the dead, having victory over sin and death. That message we should be motivated to teach and to preach and to share because of the book of Revelation because Jesus is coming back then we will join in that last prayer even so come Lord Jesus guys I don't know about you but I find myself just wanting to be able to say that and I ask what's holding me back from declaring that and I think that's what we have to ask Jesus has three times stopped the car and said, hey, I'm coming soon. Are you ready? Are you ready? Can you eagerly say, even so come? I'm I'm reminded uh, of Tim Keller's words. Tim Keller passed away about a week ago and before his passing, before he went into hospice. And Tim Keller had an incredible impact uh, on, on, on Christianity and, and pastors. But his family posted some of his last words uh, before he was taken into hospice. And this is what he said. He said, I'm thankful for all the people who've prayed for me over the years. I'm thankful for my family that loves me. I'm thankful for the time God has given me, but I'm ready to see Jesus. I can't wait to see Jesus. Send me home. And I go, that's it. And that's it. That's where I want to be. That's the posture, that's the mindset, that's the heart I want to have right now. And so guys, what what does that mean for you today? Do you, do you need to repent? To repent means to turn. Do you need to address some things that you just kind of been flippantly allowing into your life? you've been compromising on? Do you need to deal with those? Do you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today and make that decision and land that uh, plane? Or, or is it just reigniting that urgency and that passion and that pursuit of him? Is it opening God's word again and going, this isn't uh, just this thing that I have an app for that looks nice on my coffee table. This is actually something I desperately need because I say I love Jesus and yet I don't care about what he has to say and I don't want that to continue. And so I am gonna pursue him in his words pursue it. Guys, he's coming soon. What are we going to do? Let's pray.